Philosophy. Descartes. Debate. The Mepropod. 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 The awesomest discussion podcast in the history of the human species. Oh, yeah! Let me tell you of an interview with an old man emu. He's got a beak and feathers and things, but the poor old fella ain't got no wings. Aren't you jealous of the wedge-tailed eagle? I'm better to da-da-da. Well, the eagle's flying round and round to keep my two feet firmly on the ground. Now, I can't fly, but I'm telling you, I can run the pants of a kangaroo. But da do 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 He can't fly, but I'm telling you, he can run the pants of a kangaroo. In that case, which I can never say without thinking about it twice since you brought it up the last time story, welcome to Map Report number 138, June 18th, 2015. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to a Map Report show uh, with Story in the Big Easy and uh, Russ in the Big Fake. I mean, no, that's terrible. I can't even believe I said that. Um, But yeah, so everyone is here. We're all here. And uh, hi, gentlemen. How have you been? How's, How's life in the universe and everything? Pretty good. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, all right. it's all right. It's all right. Can I now right. reveal story? Because I want to ask you. Uh, you were talking about this before we came on the show. Can I reveal your um, your pet? Um, I guess. Yeah. When is this going up? <laughs> uh. <laughs> if it's going up after after June thirtieth, then we're all good. <laughs> um, it probably is going up the next couple. What are you going to do? Kick you out faster? I mean, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, keep the deposit is really what they would do. Oh, I see. So should I not yeah. talk about the pet? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I feel like we tried to get you fired at Glide, and I feel like that didn't work. So yeah, it's always there is a like sabotage story in his life aspect to this show that's pretty consistent. <laughs> it's true. Oh man, um, you know if whatever I don't take care of myself, you guys try to finish off the job. Yeah. So <laughs> yes. We should not talk about my illicit illegal rabbit that I've been harboring <laughs> in my apartment. No mention of that shall but be made. <laughs> the reason I bring it up is because what I found funny was you were describing how you got the rabbit, and it was basically yeah. you were trying to help a family that you know couldn't keep a couldn't keep the rabbit, and they were going to get evicted if they didn't, you know. And but when you first described it, you were like, and it was an emer- I was like, how did you get a rabbit? And you're like, well, it was an emergency situation, and all I could think of was just you all of a sudden woke up, like sat bolt right up in bed, and you were like. We need a rabbit. Like it was, and it was like rabbit stat, and you like desperately had to go get a rabbit. And I know your love for Watership Down. I was gonna so, say, you know, when you've read Watership Down as many times as I have, that's so it. So I just not you know, totally infeasible. So yeah. I really wish it had been an emergency that needed to be solved by getting a rabbit, and that it was a super wise rabbit or something like that. But yeah, yeah. so I, I feel probably like it, written like a movie script for the next like five superhero movies that people will just be like, emergency rabbit, quick, someone write it up, make a costume. <laughs> The emergency rabbit. Like I just, if I see one more preview for a superhero movie, but there was not, there was Danger Mouse, but now so now we can also have Emergency Rabbit kind of added into the. Like mix. I saw the preview for Ant Man. I'm sorry, I was just like, <laughs> you know what's coming out? Like they're just gonna be like, I don't know, shit face man. Why? Because <laughs> he has a shit face. Because we can't come up with it. Everything good has already been done, and yeah, and but things bad. And no, like, but look okay. though, I mean, Ant Man is a long and storied history, and Paul Rudd is a funny guy. I mean, you know, it's I, I admit that it's hard to take it seriously, and indeed, I don't even. But it 
It's it's he doesn't Ant-Man. even take it seriously. There's a scene that even made it to the preview that is like, I'm Ant-Man. And then he almost cracks up and then he's like, yeah, I know. I didn't think of it. And I'm like, no one should be thinking of it ever again. <laughs> no one. No one. Just stop. No one. No. Yeah. No. This was the period of time uh, in Marvel's history where they were like, who else could we throw into the Avengers? We've done, How about a really small guy? How about how about Ant-Man? Yeah. And then, hey, some really you know. good actors have been superheroes and superhero movies. Like Dustin Hoffman was Rain Man. He was really good in there. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Calculating <laughs> equations in a single bound. Yeah. Yep, that's true. Yeah. That's but it's just like, I mean, yeah, I, I admit that some of that, but it's all gold. Or whoever played the Thin Man, that that was really good. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, how about, how about, again, Dustin Hoffman with Little Big Man? Another example of a superhero who had the power both for little and big. At the same time, so right. yeah, great. So this is this happened before. But no, I enjoyed I mean, like, Bill Murray as Venkman in Ghostbusters. <laughs> Thank God, Venkman. Ghostbusters oh. was almost actually a superhero movie, it but really it was kind before of was. they got it's terrible. So, so it really kind of was. Yeah, yeah. it really kind of was. And I, I mean, it's actually true that now superheroes have gained so much like respect and you know money and everything else that. Now, everything is sort of taken immediately seriously. So, you know, Ant-Man, people aren't immediately like, what? Like, I mean, they're like, okay, sounds good. Like, that'll also make a quadrillion dollars. Because, and it will. You know, oh, and yeah. it will. It will. And it will. Yep. Yes. Whereas the Jurassic Park franchise, I will defend to the death. But Did you yeah. go? Have you seen the latest uh, Jurassic I movie? saw it on opening Thursday, which is no longer at midnight because Aurora. But, you know. I saw it as early as they humanly would allow me to in the city of New Orleans, which was 7 p.m. on Thursday, the day before it officially came out. And your thoughts? It was amazing. Really? Yeah, it was great. Did have you seen it yet? I guess not. I have not seen. I'm not it, a big fan of the Jurassic franchise. The fact that you need to ask me whether or not it was amazing indicates that you have not seen. It. I have not seen. It. I'm not a big Jurassic guy. I gotta be honest. Declaring, well, I mean, three was pretty bad. I I love the dinosaurs. Three. But wait three though. Wait a second, though, Russ. Help me out. Is it is is it a little odd that Story likes this franchise? I don't. I'm not. It's Story action. has his. He has his proclivities, and they may not all be the most consistent in the world, but they <laughs> exist, and they're there. Is it the pacifist you can, dinosaur? You can predict like, them with pretty much pretty accurate. I mean, so yeah, like there are there are things I will fully admit that I am a sucker for dinosaur movies and pirate movies. And that on paper, these categories, (laughs) I think Russ has captured it pretty well. These categories on paper should be outside of my, they should be, they should be things that would be, but they're, they're blind spots. I've got, I love pirates. I love dinosaurs. I mean, they're really just nostalgia. Like I grew up, you know, when I was seven, I loved pirates and dinosaurs. So, you know, there's not a lot other than America that I loved at seven that I don't love now. So. <laughs> yes, so I suppose that's true. It's, and in fact, we got—I remember getting into a discussion once when you were off the show um, about whether or not you would be happy with pirates, and I was like, "You guys, pirates are a big portion of stories. You know, like sort of the foundation of who he is is the love of pirates." So I don't. True. It's so, one of the reasons I love living in New Orleans. Is the deep. Yeah, sure. A lot of pirates. pirates here. Hey, yeah. story. Did, yes. did you get that message when I tried to recruit you to play Jurassic Minecraft? Did you did you catch up with that thing? Yeah, I mean, I like any other invitation to an addictive substance. I just deleted it and moved on. <laughs> no, no, that's not true. I don't delete messages. Um, no, I I I feel like I was really busy at work that week. I sort of glanced at it and was like, oh, here be danger. I don't know. You know, it's. It, 
It wasn't quite as bad as when somebody invited me to Skyrim, but you know, I don't know. <laughs> I'm addicted to enough games that I'm aware of. But it's so it's, it's got all of the I mean all of the most dangerous elements. It is it has Minecraft like building and collecting of resources. It is a right. survivalist game, so you have to worry about people. There are people all over these servers, then you don't know whether they're friend or foe, actual humans who will either run up to you and help you or run up to you and stab you and take all your stuff and make you start over from scratch. And then in this world, there's dinosaurs are everywhere, and you can hunt them, you can tame them, you can watch them from a distance. You can do all this stuff. It's amazing. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I was waiting to see his reaction. <laughs> I I still think life as a functional adult is probably better than that, but it's close. It's close. I mean, but you poop in this game. Your character is so realistic <laughs> that you your sure character this isn't arcs. Are you sure it, this is an arc? This is what I'm talking about. It's arc. Oh, I thought you said Jurassic evolved. Minecraft. Oh, yeah. That's well, just that's my nickname. nickname. That's oh, my nickname for arc. Oh, oh, oh. I had this image Minecraft. of like blocky dinosaur things. <laughs> yes, I actually watched because I um I'm uh you know good friends with one of the um uh the main like uh, guys who tr- uh actually streamed this um and he had fourteen thousand people on his channel watching as he streamed this game by the way um and yeah and I was watching it I'm like okay there's there's dinosaurs you can poop. You can make guys that look like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Bane had a love child, and that's what we produced. And uh, I, it's more survival. I don't understand. And people were like, yes! I'm like, I, I don't clearly don't understand the gaming community anymore. So, yeah, Ark is very popular. I don't really know why, but people love it. And I guess you've explained some of it, but I feel like what you've described is true about the vast majority of survival games like The yeah. Forest or like Reign of or, Kings or Daisy or, or Daisy all or, of which I'm interested in and I was no. trying to pick one to commit to to play on and I picked Ark and I bought it and then it was so overwhelmingly powerful that my computer was like sputtering out <laughs> dust and coughing up phlegm trying to play it and I reduced it to like just polygons and the dinosaurs just look like an assemblage <laughs> like, of construction that? paper and it still like it still did not run at all it's like the like, tangrams uh, version of uh... yeah it was it was it was so bad it's like remember in mvp 2005 when you could do the 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 dumbed down graphics and they would have these like scary zombie eyes and they would be yeah. made of oh polygons. my gosh okay sorry i must interrupt this this is something that you have inadvertently introduced into this map report this is the most free association I've been in a map report in a long time. But this is something I've been meaning to talk to you guys about forever. Okay. Do you remember in MVP 2005, this is basically exactly what you're talking about, how in all of the graphic modes, even in the best graphic modes, if I recall correctly, the eyes of the people, like the rendering of the people generally was really, really good of these baseball players, but the eyes made them look like manic zombies. Yes. Logan Morrison of the Mariners, go Google image him now, wherever you may be, fellow meppers, mep listeners, people of the world. When Logan Morrison actually plays Major League Baseball, he looks exactly like the caricature zombie eyes <laughs> of the MVP 2005 baseball players. And he was not in the him. league in 2005 but i mean it's especially i don't know what still photos if still photos really capture it but when he plays a baseball game if you can see a video clip of him he like it is it is uncanny it is the scariest thing because in in 2005 you would always be like no baseball player actually looks like that logan morrison the first time i saw him like play this season i was like oh my god that's the creepiest thing i've ever seen 
He is so, actually the guy. I'm looking right Sorry. now, and there's a picture of him dressed up as a lifeguard, which is like a female lifeguard, which is kind of... I'm finding a lot of images. I haven't seen zombie yet, but other All right. things that are equally frightening. Just him on the diamond. Sorry to interrupt, but that that's something I've been holding in for a long time. Um, so in this dumbed-down, stripped-down mode of arc where I could basically function, I got to like level 7 or 8, and I built a little shelter... And I got mugged once for everything that I had by some level one who was just beating on me with a pickaxe until I <laughs> died. He stole everything, and I started over with nothing. And then I went to like level nine or ten, got built a little shack and built a campfire and had clothes that I made. And then I was in the menu, and while I was in the menu, some lady came up with a spear and stabbed me to death <laughs> and took all my stuff. <laughs> so the so the music theme to this was ba 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 wah, wah, as you like just slip to the ground like as you're about to make like evolve to a newer form then all of a sudden spear and that's the end of it. Survival games you need like a large group of friends to play with and my friend who's been playing it has told me that no matter what kind of structure they would build overnight somebody in the game would just peck away at their structure and it would be gone in the morning and all their stuff would be stolen because you do not ever log out. Your character just goes to sleep on the ground or the ground or the shack. So you can just find sleeping people and stab them to death and take all their stuff, which is what happens sort of every time unless you live in a fortress. Oh my gosh. Is that seriously true? Yeah. Reign of, of Kings is like that too. Reign of Kings is like it's, that as well. But you, uber, you uber could, realistic. I guess, just do a private server, couldn't you? Could you do a private server and then. All, I guess you could. All of these, I think, the, the standard game is just run on servers with like 80 people max, and that's, that's just the way that it is. And no matter how remote you think your house is being built, somebody will find it and throw stones at it all night long until it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> stone. 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 Oh that my is god! Incredible, golly! And then, and of course, and then there's dinosaurs. Um, yeah, and then yeah, if you can survive the nightmare <laughs> that is all of the humans, there are actual dinosaurs to deal with. But too. you can tame them, actually, right? You can tame the dinosaurs, I believe. Yeah, I read a thing about uh, can you some people ride them. Yes, yes, yeah. you can. Ride yeah. I've the, seen okay. it. I've heard. I've heard people <laughs> riding it. I need to call my boss. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can ride the dinosaurs. In <laughs> fact, um, there was this funny, and I don't really understand this part of it, but. I was watching um, King Foom is the name of the guy who does this, and I was watching him play, um, and he was trying to get to this, like, it looked like some kind of weird obelisk in the sky that was, like, shooting down this light beam to the earth. I don't know what the sort of overall backstory is, like, if this whole thing is, like, some dreamscape or something. I don't, I don't have any idea, or some computer program, but so he's, you know, and he's trying to find this one thing, and he kept running up there, and, you know, he would get killed, he'd get attacked, it was a comedy of errors. He finally gets to the edge of the uh, of like this pit where like the light is shining down, and he's like, "Guys, we have done it!" and promptly leaps to his death into the pit because he didn't realize <laughs> that he's just like, "I'm gonna go!" Oh God! And then of course he respawns like 500 miles away. He's like, "I can't even. I don't." Um. So yes. Yeah. So I don't know what those things. Do you know what those are, Russ? What are those like? light beam things in the sky oh yeah there's some kind of alien obelisk kind of thing that presumably is for super high level characters that the the survivalists on the outskirts of the island do not mess with because they're too busy stabbing each other and stealing their azuki beans <laughs> or whatever you, you carry around has anyone food. made an effort to like cooperate a little bit better yeah on a game? small scale you read lord of the flies come um, on on a small scale i think there are tribes and tribal leaders in the game okay which is like the guild system um so right you yeah that's what i'm trying to set up a cooperative but spoiler piggy dies 
it's I guess it's hard since the servers are relatively small capacity. It's hard to get a large portion of it uh, coordinated. I mean, it feels like you can't possibly make progress without collaborating in that way. Well, I don't... You're, you still level up, so your levels stay. So at least okay. you have access to building better things. But yeah, you have to just forage from from level from 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 go and you can get overheated you need to be able to drink water i remember seeing that yeah you're constantly either overheated you're hot you're cold you need food you need you eat too much food you need to drink water you need to rest you need to stay how fun this is it's great it's like it's it's like life it actually reminds me a lot the way you're describing some of this stuff of the board game agricola which um i know it's something that i i used to own and I never actually played a complete game of, but basically it is a medieval farming sim. And most of the most favorable reviews have said you basically feel like a peasant farmer at the conclusion of the game. It yep. is that much work. <laughs> yep. Um, but like in a fun way, but also, <laughs> yeah, in an exhausting way. All right. Well, while I've got you guys sort of uh, simmering on the notion of uh, Jurassic Minecraft. Let me also bring something else to your attention, which you may or may not be aware of. The Lord makers... of the Rings Minecraft. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've also, I think, already tried to pitch story on Reign of Kings, which, as we've mentioned, is a medieval-based survival yes. game, yes. which is medieval Minecraft, where you're building structures and killing people in their sleep and stealing their stuff, except that you're wearing armor and you have a giant two-handed sword and that sort of thing. I watched a hilarious playthrough of that with a guy at MeJP on Twitch, um, who was playing the king and had a bunch of other streamers who were all friends of his. And in one case, he decided that he was going to randomly marry this hunter's daughter, but he decided to make up this big thing about how he thought she was really ugly in the game. And he happens to, the the big joke that they always make is the fact that he's he believes himself to be incredibly ugly in real life compared to the real-life female player of this hunter's daughter who is not. So he makes this big thing about the fact he's like, please, he's like, you know, for your own sake, I will do what I can to marry her. Other people are like, what? And then uh, in they basically sort of replicated the Red Wedding where people leaped forward oh, and like God. killed half the guests and all that. So, yeah, it was really, really funny to watch. I don't know how much I'd be interested in playing it, but it was it was funny to watch it. But yes, anyway. Well, you can throw that entire idea into the garbage because I, I present to you, mappers <laughs> of the map report, the creators of Dark Age of Camelot have oh, created oh. a new game. God no! It is called it, Player the, Left: the, Dark <laughs> Age, Dark Age of Pacifism. Oh the, God! The working title, which may not be the final title, is Camelot Unchained. It is a user of the patented quote-unquote Tri-Realm system, which Camelot is known for innovating, and it already completed a Kickstarter where it raised over $3 million to make this new game. So it is happening. It is currently an alpha. Heroin is very profitable. Yep. What and What is Unchained about it, other I, than that my life? There are, <laughs> <laughs> it took the chains As you, yeah. and put them on you, so it doesn't. <laughs> Right. As you wander through the forest, like doing this, killing the people that you love to do, like in the old days, you hear, oh, my love. You hear the whole Unchained Melody thing <laughs> going on. That's the big difference. It is made by Mark Jacobs, the godfather of mythic entertainment in Dark Age of Camelot. Uh, it's, it's <laughs> Their next basically- goal, because they're still raising money, is Realm Honors on Steroids. That's yep. the quote. Realm honors on steroids. Yeah, it's. I think it's. Is, I mean, is it the same? Is it just like a reboot? Is it like Dark Age like, Two and well, learning? Different, 
I don't know a heck of a lot about it. The classes are different. It's very PvP centric um, because that was the the selling point of Dark Age for the most part. And they're just working on like balancing and classes and. But there's a leveling up system. There's a crafting system. There's uh, it's just a little bit more advanced version of Dark Age for the next generation. Well, that's lovely. <laughs> that's just the best news he, I've heard all he, day. He said bitterly. And then, of course, and the killers are like, and you can import your characters in Dark Age of Camelot. And then the line goes oh dead. Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> God. If that happens, I really do have to call my boss. I mean, like, the realms are the realms in this game are the Arthurians, Tuatha de Danon, and the Vikings. So it's the same. Yeah. It's basically, yeah. It's just. Yeah. Yeah. Well, shit. <laughs> Got him. Got him. Yep. Magic spells are created by the player, not by the studio, by combining runes and other components such as reagents. Uh, the combination of runes to create magical interactions may take place during the spell creation process or when multiple magic spells affect one another in combat. Magic spells, once cast, can become the equivalent of objects in the battlefield, which can interact with players, NPCs, and other spells. Um... Water plus frost equals ice. Water plus frost plus storm equals ice storm. Ice storm plus wind equals amplified ice storm. Fire plus wind equals fire blast. Fire plus water plus wall plus wind equals moving steam cloud. So, Dark Age of Minecraft. <laughs> wow. Well, who would want to play that? Yeah. I'm telling you, it's it's funny. This is, I mean, and it's funny how much just like inexhaustible cash there seems to be for this stuff. Like this, we um, I did a uh, again um, heroin. Like it's I know. really profitable. I know people heroin is really. Will I know. pay a lot. For yeah, but heroin. story. Where are these people getting their money to spend it on these games when they do nothing but play the games? Like they can't all be trust fund babies, right? Like I mean, we, well, we've I mean, uh, we learned today before. at the fundraising conference that there is more net worth in the united states of america than in any day prior to today it's a record high today today 84 trillion in it's household bit, wealth 83 of which it's, is it's owned because, by five guys right but. it's because it's all in the one percent because that's who's made all the money in the last you know x number of years but like hey some of those people have teenagers like i don't know but also as we've established before there are a lot of people who live you know on borderline poverty and they find that uh, subscribing to a game for $15 a month is a much more efficient use yeah. of their money than other forms of entertainment. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, I mean, yeah, who needs a real life when you can have that life, honestly? Yeah. Like, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, no, but really, but like there's actually... <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, like, underst I understand. Like, really, like that's, you know, I mean, the more absorptive they make these games... I have to say that yeah, see exactly they're like they're onto us. They're onto absorptive, us. Absorptive is probably not what I actually. Um, yeah, that's the quality of absorbing absorbing things. Um, I don't know. It does. It absorbs your life. Maybe I did mean that. Have you guys read? Uh, and Russ, if you have, and you're about to be shocked that I hadn't read it to this point. Ready Player One. Uh, no, no, I haven't. Okay, so uh, Ready Player One is a game that everyone in the world has recommended to me. Because it was a game that is basically about the near future with a bunch of 80s pop references and um, is about this massive, you know, multiplayer, massively multiplayer online space. Um, and the premise is that the de designer of this space, which basically everyone has access to because the world itself sucks. It's like Do Android's Dream of Electric Sheep World, but worse. Um and uh, so this guy sets up, this guy dies, and he sets up this thing where if you can find your way to where he's hidden, virtually hidden, this treasure or whatever, um, 
then you will get, you know, his quadrillions and trillions of dollars and all that stuff. And so um, I was, I have to say, actually very, very underwhelmed by the sample that I read. It was like a 45 or 50 page sample. And I read it and I'm like, uh, this is the big deal that everyone's been talking about. Like, I, I thought it was hokey in the extreme. And I was just kind of like, yeah, I don't. Lots of comments about Tron doesn't really do it for me. I mean, yeah, I, I was there. Like, I don't need jokes about it also. Well, um, even in uh, even in Snow Crash, which is one of my favorite yeah. graphic novels transformed into a novel, like, most people live in the metaverse. They live in the equivalent of, like, you know, storage facilities. Basically. They just live in little tiny warehouses where they have a jack for the metaverse, and that's they spend the majority of their time just in there, even working, you know, playing. They spend all their time in there with whatever, and they spend whatever money they have to upgrade their avatar rather than their their real life. Yep, yeah. So it's, but it's you know, kind of referring to those same sorts of things, and um, yeah. I mean, I guess we're getting to the point where you know, virtual reality has been, and it's not even you know, it's just immersive because you're still looking at a screen. Like I don't actually think Oculus Rift and all that stuff has really driven us into the middle of the immersion. I think people are perfectly happy to sit in front of a screen and pretend rather than like you are there and pretend, you know, like I feel like they get immersed anyway, but it's definitely, I don't know. Yeah. There's a lot of disposable income being disposed on these kind of games, like survival games, these kind of games. And then of course, uh, you know, MOBAs, um, are a big deal as well, but lots and lots and lots of money. In fact, uh, Electronics Entertainment Expo E3 just ended, and there was lots and lots of discussion and back and forth about that. I don't know if you guys saw the, um, there was a demo of this hollow Minecraft thing, which is Oh, like, the ho- hollow lens? Yeah, which was pretty freaking cool, I have to say. Like, I mean, it looked really cool, but I was kind of like, but this is never going to work this way, like in life, right? Like, I mean, it looks awesome, but there's never going to be some dude with that with the camera and the headset. I don't know. It's but just like, you can project a Minecraft world onto your dinner table and then raise it up and look like 50 strata deep into the ground and see where all the minerals are. And stuff. <laughs> it's amazing. But I feel like, isn't that kind of getting rid of the exploration though? Like, you know, the whole point yeah, is to just, find it's it. It's God mode. It's God mode in Minecraft, basically. Yeah. yeah. So Which I've never understood how people play in creative mode in Minecraft. Just, just saying. I did today actually a little bit with my daughter, but that's a little different because she didn't want to be scared by zombies. She just wanted to build stuff. So yeah, I mean, that's different. yeah, and she's five. She's seven. Seven. Is she? No. Yeah, she's seven and a half. That's... Good lord. She's, gonna, she's going into second grade in September, man. Oh my wow. god. Isn't that scary? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Yep. That the child whose uh, first stirrings began on this very show. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. Indeed. But uh, yeah, so no, she's seven and a half. So she's, you know, there's she does not want to be scared by things. So that's right. um, so yeah, so she so she we built we built things. Uh, we built a huge pink wool tower because, of course, um, and uh, so now we know where our house is in the world and it's right next to the pink wool tower. Um, and that would be I hard to get that much towers. pink wool, you know. <laughs> yeah, like you could never actually do that in, you know, the uh, survival game. So. But I was very, I was like, so I was like, as we started, I'm like, okay, what do you, she's like, no zombies. I'm like, okay, <laughs> right. I shall turn that off then. So. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. But I mean, it doesn't have the same kind of feel of I have conquered, you know, like uh, Tom Hanks character and Castaway are like, I have made fire. Like, it's not, you don't get that victory moment, right? Because you have like 8,000 Flint and Tinders in your backpack and you can use them yeah. at any time. I mean, you can just spawn a horse. You can just spawn a horse. You're like, here, have a horse. Horse. Yeah. And you just jump on it and it's just a horse. 
I mean, it's it's a great wish fulfillment. It sort of summarizes sure. a great deal of 1980s fantasy. <laughs> I, too, can have a sword of plus 50 castle sling, you know. So it definitely fulfills that, but the rest of it. I mean, what? well, let me ask Russ then. Russ, what is the appeal of the, you know, running around and, you know, having to replicate things like pooing and things like that and <laughs> just... Because you don't have the same love for dinosaurs. Like, in Story's case, he's always wanted to ride a dinosaur, so I, I get that. True. But, like, but for you, I mean, what what is... You just like, like, the idea of having a house that gets stones thrown at it all day, so you have to go back and begin? Like, Yeah, for me, the... The philosophical underpinning, I wrote an article about this for YouTuber Review, which is that death has lost its meaning in traditional video gaming and has become this absurdist thing where you just kill, you repeatedly like kill yourself millions of times and it's all meaningless. Um, and then I think that spawned the idea of these survival games where death became meaningful again because death had been nerfed from the olden days of the old muds and text-based rpgs we played where it was a serious thing to world of warcraft where it doesn't matter and other games where you just respawn and it makes no difference and so there's sort of a a turning back the clock of the notion of like what if we make it super meaningful like how will it change the behavior of the people that play mm -hmm. and in the case of DayZ, it changes it drastically like people are very reluctant like they will do horrible things to your avatar they'll mug you and make you drink disinfectant and they feed you rotten apples so that your character gets sick but they will not kill your character because oh it he gets erased for permanently if your character dies in daisy and nobody wants to inflict that on somebody else um so it just becomes a way more sort of an interesting interaction between players rather than just spawn killing and blowing each other up constantly is that true that they really don't want to end the care i mean or they yeah, just don't i've, I've seen, seen a lot of bad daisy players i mean bad as in not nice people is that is that oh really, sure really? i mean every slice of life is going to show up somewhere in daisy but I, there is a code of conduct that's like i don't know it does it changes the equation a little bit it's like you know it actually reminds me of the early days when i played um meridian 59 and I think I told you guys about this, that I, I basically had a character that was way lower level than I should have been, that essentially ruled over, because you couldn't see levels, which I think was genius, by the way. You couldn't see the levels of the other players, so you just had to basically take a guess based on somewhat gear, but not even that, like just sort of the way that they conducted themselves. And I had managed to convince people that I was this badass, and I had I was the leader of like the Shadows of the Flame, no, um, the Guardians of the Flame. Uh, and I had like I was part of this tri unity alliance of three other guilds and people hated us because we were like the New York Yankees of that server. And it was, mm. it was a lot of fun. But um, and, and yeah, the PVP, like the sort of taboo against PVP was such a big like if you killed another player, you were tagged in red like messages went out throughout the land about be on the lookout for the people be like the unclean, unclean. You know what I mean? Like they just mm -hmm. they oh, man, there was an enormous taboo against it. And now it's just sort of funny to think about that because people are just like hey i can kill this guy haha ha, grief you teabag your corpse you know i did that once so. in uh in gemstone 3 a text-based rpg i rolled this was like freshman year at college i rolled a, a rogue my primary character was a ranger with the uh, unusual name of fallopius flare dip i remember fallopius this name um yes. so i rolled a rogue and i was just trying to be sort of roguish guy so i stole a bunch of jewels and things from people and that was fun and then i went into the main town hub in the middle of the city center and I just straight up murdered some newbie player who was just sitting there. <laughs> and oh the NPCs 
like there was like a whirlwind of NPCs like screaming and crying, and an NPC lynch mob came and like carried me off to the jail of the town. And then, like as if that wasn't enough punishment of being in jail, I was taken by the mods and put into some like windowless chamber like outside of the regular <laughs> game where my character I would log into the game and my character was just sitting in this like purgatory where <laughs> he was being on probation for killing another player like it was wow super serious see that's the way to do it if you really kept, want to make that happen I kept trying to convince them that Fallopius and he were different people and they, they shouldn't treat them mm-hmm. equally for their crimes but they didn't buy into it. So. Compare that with Ultima Online, my Ultima Online experience, which I, I was in the uh, beta version of Ultima Online in the days when you had to apply for it and they sent you a disc. And I remember logging in. This is when I was at University of Connecticut. I logged in and I was like, awesome. Here I am in the city. Amazing. I literally take three steps out of town. Dead. Griefed. Everything is taken from me. And then everyone dances around my corpse and laughs. And I was like, great. Signed it off, uninstalled, never played it again. Like, thank you. I've had my experience. That was that was great. And it was literally, I mean, I was just like, wow, this is a pool. Like, I was like, okay, that's that's great. That was so Ultima Online was the opposite of the we will condemn all societally. I would think you would like this story. I think you'd be into that whole idea that like there's some massive societal taboo against PvP killing that actually works. Like, well, I, I was gonna say there's a there's a place for that, and it's called reality <laughs> <laughs> it's about transfer but, man you gotta start even, it there but that's not even true like it's not even true like killing is totally endorsed in in this reality so i mean it just depends on who's doing the killing right so mm, you know yes yeah so <sighs> yeah so you would not be down yeah. with that then you're not i i thought because i thought that the, you know the societal taboo thing would be sort of a i, I mean know, surprising yeah. step forward no, I remember I remember text-based modes. They were enthralling for a while. We would sneak onto the computers in our high school computer lab and logged in. I don't even remember the name of this one mod that we would play. I know it was in servers at UPenn, and I remember like you would log into something.upenn.edu. Castle and, like, Arcanum? Was it Castle like, Arcanum? I, I have no idea. Okay. I, I wouldn't recognize it. I don't oh, think right. I ever knew the name of it. We just called it like the UPenn mod, and you like log in... Um, and I just remember I was a bard and all the only command, we didn't even like know the commands. We didn't have anything and everything had a shorthand command. So like my main thing as a bard was fire song, but it was just FI. So I would just be like, and there were dogs that would wander around and that was like the only thing to eat or get XP off of. (laughs) So I would just log in and go fi dog, fi dog, fi dog (laughs) all the time. And that was like the extent of my understanding. But there was a kid who was like in the grade below us who became like the like second highest level person at the entire time. And this was all like completely illicit. It was like overtly banned by our high school that you were not to do anything like this on computer labs during school time or not. And so like we would constantly have this like protocol of how to warn when somebody was like finding out or whatever but because it was text-based like it was fairly easy to hide as opposed to the original civilization one which we installed on all of the back row of computers (laughs) and would play for hours after school in the library but that was much harder to hide so why would they times why would they ban civilization one what's wrong with them like what what would even possess them to do that? I mean, it was just a game, right? It's like games were writ large. I mean, it, it's not like MUDs or Civilization were singled out as particular or whatever. It was just no games. And yeah, but it's like, you know. Strictly enforced. You got you to gotta, you gotta, you gotta make distinctions. If they were pissed at you because you were installing Doom, I could understand that. But, you know, 
I mean, we weren't getting a lot of educational value out of spamming Phi Dog. No, I, that's a little bit different. And by the way, I love the complexity involved in this mud. Like, it's, what's our big villain? Dogs. Yeah, that's, that's our, well, that's our big I mean, villain. I'm sure there were sophisticated levels on which you had to do it, but you probably had to have like, I don't know. I remember being really frustrated. Of, like, there's no manual. There's no instructions. There's no place that I can go to like find out more about this world. Well, there were actually friendly get, like, guide dogs, and they kept trying dogs. to come up and talk to <laughs> right, you. And then exactly. you're like, "Let me show you the. <laughs> <laughs> I will probably give you the. Saw... <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that's funny. I've been playing. Um, I've been playing some of The Witcher Three. Um, Wild Hunt, which has uh, been the big popular one. And um, I have to say, I've been fairly impressed. I, I think it's done a very good job, and it sort of makes Dragon Age Inquisition and those other sort of fetch quest-oriented games sort of staggering. But people were laughing at me because I kept being really freaked out at the potential for the sex scenes. Because there's all of these, like... So the big thing about The Witcher is that it's very dark, gritty fantasy. It's originally... Um, it was a Polish author originally uh, wrote the series. And Geralt is this witcher, and he's sterile because of these, like, mutations and magic things that he's gone through to make him great at killing monsters. So he's basically a player, and he sleeps around with everybody. Um, and so when I was getting this game, I was a little bit like, yeah, I'm going to have a hard time. So every time I have some interaction with an NPC, with a female NPC, I'm always like... I'm, I'm like, my finger is poised. I'm like, is this the moment where they're going to try? Is this the moment where they're going to... Because... You know, I'm trying to run at least a vaguely PG channel, and yes, I have it set to mature or whatever, but so I keep getting faked out. Like, this one's like, oh, you know, perhaps you can come back to my... I'm like, that's it. That's it. Come back to your place. That's that's what that means, right? That's, that's when this happens, right? And then she's like, so that I can show you my herbal recipe. I'm like, oh, okay. Whew, I, I think I can go that far. And they're like, you can do this. I'm like, no, 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 because if I go down, the, if I do the herbal recipe, you know the next thing. Like, the next thing involves you me and her and the sack. You know what they say about and... herbal recipe. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. What, what happens like in Belladonna? upstairs Bella... and look at my etchings? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what happens with Belladonna stays with Belladonna. You know, so it's the like you can't... little blue herbal recipe. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You have to you have to become more hardcore if you know what I'm saying. Yes, no. Um I, right? So I mean and I I it's really it's been bizarre anytime I have this re reaction. And the thing is, because it's 2015 and this is of course a wonderful thing, but it's not like I can relax when my character's having a conversation with a male character. Cuz I don't know. At any moment the guy can just be like, "Well, if you come upstairs." I'm like, you know, I'm like, "Oh man, I've and I can't really reveal that that's what's going on in my chat. I can't be like, so I'm trying to avoid any sexual encounter at all. Because, I mean, I don't know. I I guess if I found the right person, you know, that feels ridiculous. I'm like trying to figure out, I'm like, okay, do I have enough of a meaningful relationship with you? Well, no, not really. Because my guy has the personality of a kumquat, so I can't really tell if he's emotionally invested in you. And I don't know if I should do this or if it's just a gigolo thing or, you know. And, and I, they, they keep head faking me, and I've played now over 40 hours of the game, and still there's no sex scene. So I'm waiting. I have a feeling I'm going to hit this moment when I'm going to relax, and then it's going to be like a thousand different sex scenes from like hour 60 to 70, I think is what's going to happen, and just be, just be like, you know, one nightmare after the other. So It's possible there isn't anything, right? No, they would, no. No. <laughs> because by this point, because it's hugely popular, and at this point people have, you know, because people do this. People, the game, the minute the game is released, they literally don't sleep for the next five days and they just play through a game. I don't understand people who do this, but they do. And so by this time, people would be like, wait a minute, I have completed every single mission. There's no sex scene. What's going on? So, no, Fair I'm enough. fairly confident that there's some, but yeah. Hey, Greg, have you, I saw that you bought it on Steam via my friend spying, but have you played through uh, Pillars of Eternity? Yes, I have played through it. It was my playthrough on my channel before uh, Witcher 3, actually. 
Because I've heard that it was um, amazing and like well Very within the, the lineage of Baldur's Gate and all yes. those. It is the actual spiritual successor to Baldur's Gate. There's many that have claimed to be. This is the actual spiritual successor to it. Neverwinter Nights in there as well, or did that not? uh... Uh, Yeah, but but, yes, but and I like Neverwinter Nights, but see, Neverwinter Nights, first of all, that was a different engine than Baldur's Gate. And number two, it was more, really that game really got its sort of traction because of how effective it was with multiplayer servers and mods and things. So as a single player story, it was kind of eh. So, I mean, I liked Neverwinter Nights, but I wouldn't say that it was... Yeah, I mean, I guess that was the next in that line. But as you know, but there hadn't been one, really, for a long time. People were like, oh, this one is one, or this one is one. This actually is. In fact, I actually interviewed um, on my channel, you know, the lead developer, Josh Sawyer, for uh, Pillars of Eternity. So mm-hmm. um, I had a chance to chat with him a little bit about, about what it was like to play it, uh, to design it. And yeah, it was good. It was impressive. I mean, it wasn't perfect, but really interesting world. Um, very dark, kind of gritty story. Not... I mean, dark, but not, I don't know, not Games of Thrones-ish depressing, I guess. I mean, and and you do have real choices that can make and have a real impact and a real effect. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's very, very good. I was impressed. Uh, from what I've read about it, the, the dialogue is so dense that they're all, uh, I don't know. I mean, they're not not just that they're in character, but that there's a lot to pull out of a lot of very dense dialogue. So yep. casual players will miss like crucial plot lines and things if they totally. don't try to read into subtext and other meanings and yep. things like that. A lot of good writers there. I mean, Chris Avalone, who was the writer for Planescape Torment, um, was uh, one of the writers on that. Avalone is, is super legit. If you ever played Planescape Torment, that is incredibly good with dialogue. Um, I already mentioned Sawyer. Um, Carrie Patel is a good writer. I interviewed for Speculate, not realizing before I did it that she did this. And then I was like, oh, <laughs> I you helped write a game that I think is amazing. Um, yeah, no, there's definitely a lot of dense dialogue. It's, it's very good... It's a very high-quality writing style, I would say, throughout. Um, I don't think that it's the most philosophically deep game that I've played to this point. That probably is the Talos Principle, which which story you should play at some point, because it's a puzzle game. Actually, no, both of you should. What am I saying? Because Lord knows what I, I need. No, what you need... This game. is just to tide you over until Camelot on heroin, so that's just to, <laughs> this just set you up for that. But it's uh, Talos Principle is basically about this... Um, you wake up as this uh, robot intelligence, this AI... And um, you have to solve a series of puzzles, and there's this godlike voice that sort of is booming commands at you, um, and that wants you to solve these puzzles, and then you end up discovering what the AI is, and why you're in this world, and what it's all about. Um, very, very interesting, very good, deep philosophy. Um, so, anyway... And certainly by sort of game standards, sort of philosophy 605 graduate level, you know, because basically most games have come down to the philosophy of like, maybe not everyone should be killed. You know, like, I mean, that's that's usually the depth we get to with a lot of like philosophy of games. This is much more beyond this country's leadership. Yes, it is beyond it is beyond this country. Yes. So um, anyway, but you guys should try it. But yeah, no, I, I think it's very good, Russ. I'm I was a big fan of Pillars. Yep. Cool. I agree. I've been thinking about picking it up. Yep. No, I totally agree. But when do you have time to do it in between your 750 shows that you do, though? Uh, afternoons typically are are slow when I'm not when I've decided to intentionally procrastinate from one of several jobs that I could be doing. <laughs> Play a little little RPG action. Um, also, theoretically, you know, since I'm writing this blog, I have to familiarize myself with a bunch of different games so that I can intelligently write about these things. Ah, so that's a that was very good clever. excuse. It's a good <laughs> excuse. Was, yeah, I know. It's that's good very, setup. Total yeah. accident, no doubt, on your part. Um, well, you need to stop by my Twitch channel, man, and hang out. 
and check out the games that we play. And you can talk with other people who are knowledgeable about games, some, sometimes disturbingly so, given their age, <laughs> um, how old they actually are. But uh, So you know what I was thinking, Russ, was your million jobs, it must be a nightmare to do taxes for you every year. It must be a nightmare. Like you must have 700 different like funding sources and like 800 different salaries. I mean, that. yeah, I do submit uh, or I used to submit a, a combination uh, tax submission, which was both the wage earner and the the consultee. But now I just submit a bunch of different consultees and different, uh, you know, under different qualifications. It's not a big deal. Just turbo tax it up. It's very simple. Are you just do a poster it. child for audits, do it. though? Do you it think myself. that the IRS would be like, wait, what? No, I, mean, I don't think I'm a big enough fish for the IRS to be interested <laughs> in me. Well, when Mapcoin takes off, that'll yeah, that'll change. Yeah, maybe that maybe then the SEC will be interested in the IRS <laughs> right behind them. That'll be such an exciting day when that happens, and you can feel good about it. Speaking of which, the there's a lot of uh, for big time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of scuttlebutt about the Greek exit uh, giving Bitcoin a boost. Yeah, you know, yep. because uh, their people are looking to stash their uh, their money that in various various commodities. Bitcoin being one of them. Yep. I read about that. Um, it's going to be interesting to see the effect that that has on uh, on the euro also, if it has any. And like, I'm, I'm sure Germany is sitting there applauding, I would guess, because Germany doesn't want Greece anywhere near the euro anyway. But, um, but there's the whole fear of contagion. It's like Portugal could say, well, yeah, our debts are also odious and uh, unnecessary. And then Ireland will say the same thing and so on and so forth. And then what happens well, maybe hopefully then what happens is that people can bail out of the ridiculous austerity plans, which do absolutely zero and actually, you know, work to make economies worse. So that'd be nice if people actually get the idea that you need to stop taking money away from people and thereby draining the economy of potential resources that would be going into it. So that's that could happen, right? We could dream. Here, here. Yeah. Maybe someday. That'd be great. So sure. I, I had one uh, news story since we talked about that that I wanted to bring up. Um, and that is, have you guys been following the story about the lady who is in the Spokane NAACP um, and uh, resigned when it came out that she was actually white? Yes. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't even know. So for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, so Rachel Dolezal was this NAACP uh, leader and um, she is not black. Um, she's white, and, you know, as a member of the NAACP, you would assume that there would be someone, a person of color, would be the one who would be involved in actually leading it. Um, but she did this bizarre interview, and this is the thing that grabbed me. I saw some clips from it. She did this bizarre interview where she was like, number one, she's like, she identifies as black. Okay, I guess you can theoretically self-identify as something. But also then said, you know, but there hasn't been any biological tests to determine if my, you know, parents were white or like if I had a white parent, I mean, it, it was just weird. And, and I don't really, I don't understand any of what's going on with it. And I don't even know. I don't know. So anyway, I just wondered if you guys had, had heard about it and what you Well, the other big thing were. is that she, that I think you didn't mention is that she altered her appearance to make oh. her skin darker and yeah, her, her hair, hair yep. um, more traditionally African-American looking. So... Um, and she also, I mean, she overtly lied about a lot of things. She had a, a paid actor who was black pose as her father and like come to some event and like pretend to be her father when her father is like 
I mean, her parents were actually the ones who were responsible for exposing her because um, they were just like, this has gone too far. And I don't know if they'd had a recent falling out or what was going on. But No, it says they hadn't talked to her for years. So they yeah, were just like, so they were just like, they were done. So, um, so <laughs> that's how this all came out in the first place. And they sort of submitted like her high school photos or whatever and were like, here, general public, this is what she actually looks like. So... Yeah, I mean, it's it's been interesting because it's drawn a lot of comparison to um, transgender stuff, especially in the wake of um, Caitlyn Jenner and her being, you know, coming out and winning awards and all of this other stuff. So, um, I mean, I think I think it's a particularly bad test case for this issue of whether you can just sort of choose a racial identity or not, because she like it's not even clear whether she like really chose it and she lied a lot and was like incredibly deceptive. It also has come out that she like in, she went to Howard university and she actually went to Howard university, which is a historically black college, but she, um, sued, she, I think applied and was rejected and then sued them for discrimination for racial discrimination. And then they let her in. So she attended as white or maybe she started posing as black when she started going there. It's not abundantly clear. My biggest point is just that while she is a terrible case to prompt this because she's just a liar and there's a lot of problems with this, there will come a time, um, unless there's some major like technological malfunction or backfire or, um, society falls apart there will come a time and it's not too long from now where people will have the ability to convincingly and possibly permanently alter their appearance and their racial profile to whatever the bleep they want. Right. And at that point, I think it will be very hard for the sort of generally tolerant liberal community to maintain the distinction between that kind of alteration and um, the embracing of transgenderism. I don't know. I, I, I find it very hard. I, a lot of people on my Facebook and a lot of people have been trying to sort of parse and hair split between them, but I don't think there's really a philosophical... At the point where you admit that either of them are sort of societally imposed constructs, I think it's very hard to have a philosophical distinction between them. Right. And the only one is really sort of ease of making that transition without just lying about it. And at the point where you can sort of overtly transition the way you can surgically trans transition gender, I think there's going to be a time when you have to answer for that. And frankly, like that's all probably good that everyone should be able to opt into anything. The only problem I have with any of this is that when it becomes really easy and fluid to opt into it, then there becomes this philosophical problem where a certain amount of victim blaming, I think, can take place where you can say, well, you had the option to change race or you had the option to change gender. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, you can't. So you make 70 cents on the dollar. Well, you could have changed that. Like if you wanted to be a man so badly, just be a man. Well, you want white privilege. If you want to be white so badly, just be white. And that's, that's, I think, the one, you know, otherwise I'd probably be like, okay, everybody, you know, you do you, do what you want, be what you want. But that's the one problematic area where I'm like, this could be an issue. Wow. I don't know. I mean, at the point where it actually becomes feasible to transition into any of these different classes, I mean, how do the classes themselves not just break down or become instantly meaningless? Like, what are you really holding on to at that point? Are people going to try to look in your genetic record to see like what you 
originally were. And I mean, you know, what are bigots going to hold on to at that point in time? I don't think, I don't think they're going to have anything left. Well, yeah, I mean, it's going to become, you know, more and more fine gradations, right? I mean, if you study sort of like um, the history of race relations in the South and, and sort of the laws that, that came up around it, there was actually an enormous amount of complexity at a certain point in the way that your racism was deployed, right? So you have quadroons and octoroons and how black you were had an impact, how obviously black you were had an impact on other things. Um, but even being able to prove that you had one-eighth as opposed to one-fourth and therefore you had less black and the less black you were, the higher ranked you were in society and so on. You know, like, I mean, it, there, there was an enormous amount of complexity because at a certain point there was so much intermixing going on and so much sleeping around and so much plantation owners sleeping with their slaves and on and, you know, so on and so forth, that there were moments where you could have mixed race children that it would be very difficult to determine one way or the other. And so at that point, fine gradations had to pop up of racism and you had to get things where people really were like, well... You know, this person is looks white, but he's not really white because of this, that, and the other. So it's almost like the bigotry would become ever more subtle and ever more, you know, uh, uh, ever more sort of like finely tuned, it seems mm-hmm. to me. So I don't know if that would happen in this case, but, you know, it's, it's I don't know. I, I just, I thought the whole thing was very, it was odd. And it, you know, came obviously in the wake of the stuff like with, uh, the you know the Bruce Jenner transitioning into Caitlyn Jenner and talking about uh, her you know her right to be who she wants to be and identifying in the way that she was and I think leaving aside you know the Fox the odious Fox News bigots the vast majority of people I think kind of caught up to it and are like yeah you know that's fine that you want to identify this way but I feel like people are having trouble with this one because it's like what I mean are, are you just playing off of it are you like were you having fun pretending to be black? Was there, you know, was there some message that was being communicated? And um, and so these sort of constructions of racial identity are going to come into play just as much as gender identity. I'm not sure what people feel about that, you know, how far down the road they want to go there. So Someday there's going to be a shark person walking around and people are going to say, now are your parents sharks or did you just go and get the operation? He's going to be like, I self-identify as, as shark. And, it's cold-blooded. Um, yeah. yeah. So I would appreciate when you eat shark fin soup in front of me, it's very offensive, and I, I, I don't, you know. That might happen if you get your way, Russ. Eventually, people go down your path of more and more additions, body modification, AI jacking in, blah, you know. There's going to come a point where there'll be discussions about robots versus people, and, you know, this will be your fault in part when people don't know what the hell to do, so. Because this is all my idea. This yep. whole society. No, no, but you've taken it and run with the ball. <laughs> you've taken it. Well, and run yeah, with the ball. it's going to be interesting because yeah, you have first you have the whole notion of what Story's talking about, which is these permanent alterations of their genetic material and just be, being things that they weren't born to be. Then there's going to be the whole cloning human rights thing, which is clones are going to have to assert their rights, and then after clones get you know their equality, then uh, synthetic organisms who are sentient are going to have to fight for their rights. And uh, we're just going to be doing this for hundreds of years, you guys. <laughs> so we're just letting you know up front, this is what you have to look forward to, yep. right? <laughs> just a whole bunch of things that are soulless are going to have to assert that they are sentient beings with feelings and that they deserve to be not treated disposably. And- well, and you've seen the, you saw the trailer for, I sh- I'm sure, of Selfless, 
which is that movie with Ben Kingsley and Ryan Reynolds about this guy. Oh, that looks good, actually. Yeah, who's dying and uh, guess has his whole essence essentially basically trans uh, transposed into a new body, um, which, by the way, was done in Star Trek, the original series, just saying. Um, but transposed into a new body, and uh, the body, which they just tell him is sort of like an empty shell, it turns out later on is actually not an empty shell, but in fact was a person that had a family, and he starts having memories of this guy and starts remembering things about him, and so all of a sudden he has to like start exploring his past and um, who this guy was separately, and you know, so this this science fiction is on it, you guys. This science fiction is... Uh, they are they are setting the stage for what is to come, you know. As always, yeah, that's what, that's what science fiction does. Uh, I'm sorry Highlands. if you were expecting descent from this crew. No, no, I, I guess I was. Science fiction is hogwash. <laughs> <laughs> I'm offended, sir. No, I, I expected that someone I was going to get dinged for like you know I'm a little biased having written, but I know I'm talking to the right crowd. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, I was going to recommend quickly uh, Robert Heinlein's Time Enough for Love is basically that story. The only caveat is it's like an old uh, CEO who's dying and is looking for a fresh body to be to transplant himself into. And it turns out that the they find someone who you know goes brain dead just at the right time, right as he's about to expire. And it turns out to be like his secretary or something like that. So then he has to live his life as her and have her memories and stuff like that. It's pretty interesting. It may wow. be actually based on like very loosely based on that. Oh, I mean, that sounds like the exact same plot. I was just going to say, is. I was like, well, yeah. uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and he actually, and at the time, even though he couldn't do this Heinlein put, and when a movie version is made of this, I wish for a man whose name will be Ben Kingsley to play the part of one of the characters. <laughs> I mean, there's just way too much derivative stuff going on right now. <laughs> right. Well, believe it or not, guys, uh, we have reached the end of an hour, um, and we hope that you enjoyed our uh, jaunt down memory lane, video game lane, and elsewhere. And by the way, I want to say thank you to, uh, we've had actually a couple of people who have showed up on my Twitch channel after having listened to the MEP report. So I've sent some people from my channel to the MEP report and from Speculate and so on, but I haven't actually had someone from the MEP report to the channel, and he said that he found my channel through this so thank you and uh and you if you wish to follow suit you can do the same thing and we can cross pollinate and everyone can follow everything that that sounds like something yeah come on that is a good call i didn't even think of that that's a good call yeah 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 yeah. make them go through the registration process i need to find (laughs) it to acquire your information congratulations you've won the right to tell (laughs) us everything about you It's fun, trust me. I'm just just joking. Oh yes, no, yeah. for sure. And I I will uh, get right on that. Actually, that's a good call, though. I should have thought of that. Yes. Um, I actually need to remember who the name of the person is now. But two people, <laughs> um, two people did it. And uh, so yeah. So uh, if you know who you are, and I'm sure you do, please come back and remind me of who you are again. And I'm going to uh, do a little bit of work on my own to find it out. And we'll give you and some. If you know point. who you are with in any way, if you know your identity, if you know your race, your gender, let us know that too. Because it would be really helpful. Like if we know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Say goodbye, everybody. <laughs> goodbye. Unshamed. Unshamed. He was chasing a female he knew him better As he shot past I heard him say She can't fly, but I'm telling you. She could run the pits of a kangaroo. She can't fly, but I'm telling you, she can run the pants of a kangaroo. 
Well, there is a moral to this ditty. Um, better da 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 da. Thrush can sing, but he ain't pretty. Um, better da 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 da. Duck can swim, but he can't sing. Nor can the eagle on the wing. Emu can't fly, but I'm telling you, he can round the pants of a kangaroo. Well, the kookaburra laughed and he said, "It's true." Um, better da da da. 